Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the state of California. Good afternoon. I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of the state of California, along with Patty Rising and Brett Burkhart. As we've been reporting, former President Donald Trump was arrested and arraigned today at a courthouse in New York City charged with 34 first degree felonies. The former president entered a plea of not guilty with his attorneys insisting afterward that he will never be convicted. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg revealed later that he has evidence of three other crimes committed by the former president, two of them violations of New York law, the other federal campaign law, and he alleges that Mr. Trump falsified business records to cover up those crimes. That elevates this to a felony case and extends the statute of limitations. The former president, who insists he's not guilty, plans to address the charges before supporters in Florida later this afternoon. For more, we're joined live on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by Lori Levinson, law professor at Loyola Law School in Los Angeles. Thank you so much for being with us once again. All right, so first blush, what is your, your overall reaction today to this case against former President Trump as laid out so far uh, in its bare bones by the district attorney? It's been fascinating today because the initial indictment that came out really didn't tell us much. It was just a list of 34 crimes falsifying business records in furtherance of the commission of another crime. Then um, Alvin Bragg's office released a statement of facts. Now, that told an interesting story about what Donald Trump was doing before the election, namely paying off people who had negative information about him. But it still didn't link the facts to the law. Finally, there was a press conference, and that's when we got our heads up, that what they're likely to claim is that these false records were being used to aid in a conspiracy to violate either New York state election law or their tax laws. That's what the defense will be attacking. Yeah, Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg uh, addressed those issues, called it a a routine, a, a scheme to catch and kill stories with two of the parties who have already pled guilty. How important were those guilty pleas in this case against the former president? Well, I think that that's what let the grand jury be very interested in this case. On the other hand, I do not think that Michael Cohen would survive long as a key witness in a case against Donald Trump. So the question is, and I think Bragg tried to message this, do they have enough written evidence, enough uh, signed checks, enough messages between Trump and others to say that he was directly responsible and this wasn't something others in his orbit were, were involved in? Based on what you have seen so far, is this a strong case? We haven't seen the evidence so far. We have an idea because this has been an ongoing investigation. Are the witnesses, I think some of what was suggested today, that they got additional evidence since the first time they evaluated this, gives further hope to the prosecutors. But to be honest with you, I don't think anybody right now can say that this is a strong or a weak case because all we have are the charges and then some statements of facts. 
Does it matter that in some of these instances that are outlined in, in the uh, statement of facts and in the and in the indictment, you know, Mr. Trump wasn't physically there. He might have been in Washington. Um, he might have been conveying his, his desires by phone or by other means. I mean, could there be a wire fraud case or a mail fraud case, or should that be federal? I mean, I wonder if you could open that, unpack that a little bit for us. Well, you could do a federal case, but they don't want to do a federal case, and that's quite clear. They wanted to keep this in New York. Uh, the fact that Trump's not there and he's not the one who's putting it all together doesn't let him off the hook because I think Bragg was very clear to say that Trump was in the thick of it and that they have messages and other records that would show that. So they don't necessarily need that type of scheme to defraud. What they do need, however, is to show Trump's intent to basically pay off this hush money or involved in other false reports in order to make sure this doesn't see the light of day, some of these accusations during the election. Um, it's novel in some ways. I mean, I don't think we've seen a case like this before. On the other hand, I don't know of any person who ran for the presidency who engaged in this behavior. The next court date is in December. It's April 4th. Are you surprised by the length of time we have to wait before we see him in court again? A little bit, although those dates can change depending on the nature of the motions that are brought. Even the judge himself made it very clear to Trump and his team that if things get out of hand with Trump's rhetoric, which could easily happen, they might be back into court sooner just on that issue. So I don't think anybody expected a quick trial here, but the defense might want to push things a little bit faster because don't forget, Donald Trump still thinks he's going to be running for president. So what you just said uh, from Trump's attorneys to push it a little bit faster, because they're in, in everything that he's been involved in, their strategy is to slow it down. Right. But they want this to go away. And so looking at that strategy, if they slow it down, this will be looming over him well into the election period. And he has to calculate, is that going to help or hurt him? Right now, it's helping to raise money for him. On the other hand, as his opponents take a look at some of the facts involved here, they might strategically use it against him. So I'm sure the optimal result for the Trump team is to get this thing dismissed as soon as possible. But I don't know if they'll be able to do that. You mentioned that this is novel, the the approach that the DA is taking, and certainly what we saw today is without precedent in U.S. history. But not only that, it's the first time any prosecutor in New York has used this falsifying business records law and linked it to election law at the state level. Um, How risky is it for a prosecutor to try something this new in such a high-profile case with such a high-profile defendant? I mean, how much of a limb is he going out on here? Well, it's always risky, and he's been subject to the criticism, that being the DA, for taking these risks. But I think that uh, he, after working with the grand jury, and that's a huge advantage for the prosecutor to see what the reaction is by the average person, not by the media, but not by national polls, but people who are more like those who would sit as jurors in the case. I think he felt that it's not that novel, and he was emphasizing that. He said the bread and butter of what we do is look at people who falsify reports. Now, they can do it for all sorts of reasons, but here it's clear he did it for tax reasons and also because of the election laws. If they can point specifically at which election laws they were trying to violate or knew they were violating, that will be key to their case. 
And you have to imagine, given how many prosecutors have declined to go after Donald Trump over the years, that this one must feel pretty confident in his evidence. Thank you so much, Loyola Law Professor Lori Levinson. Thanks for being with us today on the State of California. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.